When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? Yes. We like that because it's Reckless Draft Speculation Tuesday here with our guy, Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. And he has a brand new mock draft fresh out of the toaster oven here. <laughs> or whatever is it is, that, the, air, it, the air Is fryer. that what you do with them, Thor? You stick fresh, them out of the, the, fresh out of the bunker. How about, how about I, I don't know how cooker. fresh they are coming out of this bunker. Pressure cooker. Yeah. these sticks. Do they smell a bit? <laughs> I like smell they're sweaty. They're sweaty. They're a lot Thor out of work. Smells. That's what's oh, happening. Boy. Oh, sorry, uh, Welcome, man. This is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We appreciate you guys making this one of the most listened to and watched football podcasts in America for whatever reason. Vikings fans, you guys are just crazy. So thank you. Don't forget the Surly Draft Party at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. Happens April 27th, the first night of the draft. The draft starts at 7. We start at 6, just kind of hanging out. My guess is we'll probably be there well before 6, hanging out. We'd love to meet as many of you as possible. Uh, It's indoors at the 11th frame at Park Tavern. And then there's also sort of an outdoor spillover uh, patio tent area with TVs and whatnot. So we are super pumped for the second annual draft party this year at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. So, Judd, also the Before I Die beer is coming back one night, one night only. One night only, one night only. Yeah. It's coming back in Thursday, the fall, Thursday, but do, do not wait. You can sample it. It's actually a new, so you can get your hands on on tap there. There might be some cans, we don't know yet for sure, uh, from our friends at Surly as well. And here's the best part, too. You know, there are some big draft parties in town, but they charge a pretty penny to go. Yeah. They charge even more to see what what the media world calls the talent. Don't believe it. It's not talent. But at Park Tavern, it's absolutely free. You walk in that door, there's no cover charge. You mean I don't have to pay $175 to meet Judd Zolgad? Because Judd, the talent, doesn't consider himself to be talent. He considers himself to be one of you, and we're all the same, the Purple Daily family. Amen. Uh, and a shout-out to our friends at TCL, now an official partner of the NFL, no matter what you watch. TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Let's get right into it, Thor. You have your brand-new mock draft at FantasyPros.com. I'm not even going to build drama here. You have <laughs> Quentin Johnston, the big six-foot 
three-ish, 210-pound wide receiver from TCU, and your comp is A.J. Green. So let's just start there. The idea of, of Quentin Johnston, what's there to like, why should the Vikings potentially pick him in the first round, and why A.J. Green as a comp? I'm assuming it's like prime A.J. Green, not uh, fossil <laughs> A.J. Green that we're comping him to, right? Yeah, I mean, the the athletic profiles of those two guys, the measurables, I mean, down the board, they are eerily close if you, ju- if you just stack them up. And a big part of their utility, the way that both of them won in college, is very similar, too. Quentin Johnson's a killer downfield. A.J. Green was, too. Um, A.J. Green wasn't as sudden in his route breaks. Uh, that's another thing with Quentin Johnson where it's similar. Um, Quentin Johnson did not run the full route tree at TCU. I would tell people he's not going to do that in the NFL either. He has the, the two heaters. The, the big one is is running downfield and going up and getting it. He has a, a wingspan of six foot eight. In addition to running in the four fours, he has the, the vertical jump of over 40 inches, 99 percentile. Um, and then he can go up and get it. And then the other thing is, is just streaking across the intermediate area. If the cornerbacks, the coverage starts to play off of him, particularly if he's in single coverage. And if he's playing across from Justin Jefferson, he is only ever going to be in single coverage. So I, I think it would be a good fit for the Vikings. There are a couple of picadillos with his game that are going to cause him, I think, to drop just a little bit lower than his measurables would indicate. But this is the only guy in the class to me that profiles as a true wide receiver one superstar if everything hits. So what what are the uh, picadillos that you refer to in his game that might cause him to get as low as 23? And congratulations on the use of the word picadillo here yeah. on Purple Daily. I just the said first it to time say it. that, yeah. Yeah, um, well, the, the big one, well, I, two of them, the, the routes, you know, I mean, like it's, and, and again, he didn't run that full route tree, and I don't think he's going to in the NFL either. The one thing that he's not, it's one of those guys that, that slams on the brakes, stops on a dime, and then can immediately come back. Some of the change of direction, stuff like that, out of the route breaks, not as good. He's more of a high-cut long strider than he's like a low-to-the-ground the jitterbug like like Zay Flowers, for instance, you know, where it's the joystick agility or whatever. But he eats up the, the grass so quick when he starts galloping, and he also explodes off the line really quick. So really difficult, you know, th- to deal with there. The, the bigger one for me is that he has – and people explain this in different ways, but um, two different things. Number one – he has a propensity to sometimes body catch, although people that put in their scouting reports that he's just a body catcher, that's not true. Because you see, you've seen that kid have to, to spear the balls outside of his frame, fully extended when he's when he's when he's fishing out those errand throws for Max Dugan. Or like I said, when he goes downfield, that's when you see him get up in the air, fully extend, go up and get it. I've also seen him bucket catch over his shoulder a whole bunch when he's hurtling downfield. So it's not fair to say he's just a body catcher. But he does let the ball get into his frame far more often than he should. Are you he saying also, he's he's not a body catcher, but he might catch some bodies in the NFL? Huh? <laughs> huh? I, we hope so for sure. But the other one is is the concentration drops. His his career drop percentage was like uh, it's right around ten percent. I I got a I got the number here somewhere. Anyway, um, th- that's something that we want to see come down a little bit. You know, like maybe to seven or eight. But he gets so many of the, the opportunities downfield in the TCU. They were force-feeding him some of those where it was in double coverage. You saw some of the elevated contested catch numbers, but his dot was extremely high. So, again, the utility was downfield. I have a theory for both why he body catches sometimes and also for the concentration drops that explains both of them. What I noticed on his tape is when on the harder catches where he's not thinking and it's just like, 
He lets the talent take over. Again, the ones where he's sprinting downfield and he has to do the, the bucket catch over his shoulder, fully extended for it. When he's going up in the air and skying over two people, that's when you always see him extend the ball and just spear the ball out, out of midair. The times when he lets the ball descend into him and he catches it sort of with his frame, you'll notice invariably both of his feet are set on the ground. And what I think it is, in, in conjunction with that and the concentration drops, is it's times when he's thinking about the run after the catch. And he's a very dangerous, when he has the ball in his hands, TCU would do stuff with him like the end arounds and stuff like that. He runs with the ball more like a guy like LaVisca Chenault coming out of Colorado, who was definitely not as polished as, as far as a receiver, but Colorado would manufacture all these touches for him near the line of scrimmage because he was essentially just like a huge running back once he got the ball. Johnson isn't quite as as thick as 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 um, um, Chenault is, but he runs just as fearless. And it's the same sort of thing where it's not the the swivel agility, but at high speeds, he can do the one cut thing and just make people miss wildly. But again, when when it's the easier catches, his feet are on the ground and he knows that guy's behind him. He's to, to me when I'm watching him, it's, it looks like you can even see the gears going in his head because you'll start to see him turn too quick, stuff like that let that ball into his frame, and then that's when you start to see the drops. If that's something that the Vikings can coach out of him, teach him to attack that ball. Your first priority when that ball is coming, it's to secure that ball. And then after that, we move to the the, the run after the catch. I think you might be able to fix both the, the issues with not extending all the time and also the concentration drops. Interesting. So some of this stuff is is coachable. Um, and the I Vikings so. the Vikings have done a good job you know, with, with this coaching staff and, and previous too, just getting – the most out of wide receivers. So you mentioned something interesting that, that if you stack up these wide receivers, you feel like Quentin Johnston is the, is the most likely of all of them, or at least has the highest ceiling to be a true number one. If he hits it, if he hits his ceiling, he's got a very, very high ceiling. And I asked you this question about quarterbacks a few weeks ago. Can you, can you rank us the wide receivers based on all of them hitting their peak upside? Yeah, I go. Johnson would definitely be one. Like I said, I just don't see another receiver in this class that has that, you know, sort of true blue wide receiver one type profile. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'd probably still have number two in that. Um, just because um, for me, I, I sort of think of him more as like a Scotty Pippen, where even if he Jackson Smith and Jigba could become a top 20, top 25 overall receiver in the NFL. But even if he does, he's going to be best on a team that has I'm sorry, but a receiver that's better than him on the outside, like the the true number one guy that can threaten the defense deep, that needs to be bracketed, that you have to have more coverage attention on. Because as we saw at Ohio State, the more space that Jackson Smith and Jigba has in the intermediate route, the more damage that he's going to do. And when you have the studs on the outside of him, that that's how you, you open up that intermediate space. Um, but the rest of his game speaks for itself. But in terms of upside, I'd probably put him too. Zay Flowers, I, I think I'd still have to have it at number three in that just because we've seen that, that he's been able to win in all three levels of the field. You know, you get him the ball short, he's going to make people miss and, and run around like that, runs very good routes. But then for a smaller receiver, he can also, go, you know, go downfield and make plays. After that, the, the upside of it, it really falls off. Cause, so like Jordan Addison, yeah. the, early in the process, Jordan Addison was, was sort of being mocked as one of the top two guys. And now not only do you have him falling out of the first round, we've seen a lot of other mockers kind of lowering. Why has his stock fallen so much? Well, it's it's a couple of different things. The the big thing, you know, as far as this process, the last month and a half or so, his measurables just aren't very good. And last year we started to get sort of an indication of this where the year before he had dominated at Pitt, Kenny Pickett's last year, when Addison was working in the slot. 
and they had a re- really smart offensive coordinator, Whipple, that had sort of like this levels passing attack where they, they'd start, you know, chucking it out really quick to the, the perimeter, do like the funnel screen. Then they'd start having two guys run the routes at the intermediate area that, you know, like a formation that looked very similar. And then he'd attack you deep, whatever. But it was just funneling all this usage into Jordan Addison and then confusing the defense about where, you know, he was going to end up, whatever. In the slot, he he was better. When they put him outside at USC last year, last offseason, USC drops up, drops off a couple duffel bags at Pitt and says, hey, Jordan Addison, why don't you move across the country? Come and play with Caleb Williams now that Kenny Pickett's moved to the, the Steelers across town, whatever. And, and once he did that, USC played him on the outside. It was a smart idea by Addison trying to prove the concept that he could play outside. But he definitely was not as good as he was the year before when he won the Bolitnikov. Last year when he was playing on the boundary, Addison was only two for nine in contested uh, situations. Hmm. He's just, he's just not the guy that creates like his routes are very good. He's one of those like velvety, uh, you know, velvety smooth route runner type guys, but he just can't create this, this separation with his athleticism alone. So it has to be the pacing it, it has to be the footwork and, and different stuff like that. When, when guys are in close quarters with him, he tends to struggle at the catch point, whatever. So that, that's why the ceiling for him is lower. The floor though, on Jordan Addison is pretty high. The, the cost certainty is there. Because you know you're probably getting a solid number two receiver. Like, you're going to get a solid number two receiver. I just don't see any superstar ability with him. And then you go, like, down to to Josh Downs, for instance. He's going to be a very, very solid slot in the NFL and from day one. But he's confined to the slot. And if you have, like, a bully there that's pressing him, whatever, that's where his game starts to get a little bit wonky. But he's super shifty. He's super reliable. His catch numbers and stuff like that, the drop rate was very, very low. And and Josh Downs is a guy that we've seen that, that can pick through traffic and catch the ball when there's bodies around him. So as far as the slot receiver, he projects cleanly to that, but you just don't have the upside. I think I might, if, if it was just a thing on upside, I actually might have Marvin Mims above both those guys. And I'd probably have Cedric Tillman at least above Downs and certainly challenging Addison in terms of the upside. So that that's where the upside thing would start to come more into play. Back to Johnson uh, and his, his route tree, uh, Thor. So I guess I'm always a little bit paranoid because th- there have been certain guys uh, at the receiver position drafted here who were good college players, but then the, the route tree becomes a problem. And I understand that a pro team might not ask him to run all the routes, but the routes he is asked to run, how precise is he in the details? Because, you know, it was a whiff by the Vikings not to get more from Cordero Patterson, but their frustration was born from the fact that he couldn't run a route to save his life. Treadwell, I think, struggled there as well, although there were issues beyond that with him. So, like, if you got Johnston, how sure are you that you could get him to run the routes that you need to run here, which is incredibly precise? Like, you got to be where you're supposed to be or else quarterbacks essentially won't throw you the football. Yeah. I, I, I'd get like, I'd prune it a bit for him because I wouldn't make him do this stuff where it's like the heart out breaking stuff or the slam on the brakes and come back. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not his game that, that you don't want him for that. It's, it's stretching the field. Then the streaking across the intermediate area. I think cousins would love him when he, when he has that cushion going across the middle, hitting him on the hands. And then the short utility, something I think that would appeal to Kevin O'Connell quite a bit is, you can steal yards with Quentin Johnson every single game with either the quick out thing where you manufacture the touch for him there, again, when when the defense is playing off. And then the other thing with the end arounds, you're going to be able to steal some yards just depending on the coverage look you get by using him in that way. But but as far as like, again, not the full route tree and 
he does need some polish, even on the, the fastballs I'm talking about, because he has gotten by to this point more on athleticism than right. sort of like route running acumen. Like one thing we want to see more with him getting deep is, is truly stacking that corner and then getting away and, and then creating the separation. He'd been able to get the separation just by the acceleration and the length and different stuff like that. But th- there's more um, a nuance and, and more mystery that he could imbue into his routes, I think, that would keep the, the cornerbacks off his scent at the next level even better. And I think the Vikings are going to be able to help him with that. So, Thor, it is an it is an immediate position of need, wide receiver, wide receiver two specifically, depending on what you think of K.J. Osborne. But K.J. Osborne is going into the last year of his contract, right? So, like, it's a long-term, unless you want to give him money and, and we'll see what they do with him contractually, but it is a position of need. Um, is it a little bit desperate? Are the Vikings getting a little needy if they do draft a wide receiver? I guess, what are your thoughts overall on just like the wide receiver class and how it stacks up to some of the other positions that might be available for the Vikings around that 23rd pick, depending on if they trade up or trade back? Are they are they reaching for something that they need as opposed to going you know, best player or position available? It depends on if four receivers are taken before them and then they're still sitting dead red like that. You're when they were sitting dead red on the quarterback and then the only one there was Ponder and they're like, okay, let's just turn the card in or whatever. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> talk We'll talk about the potential modern version of that shortly as well. But yeah. Oh gosh, looking forward to that. Um, but like if, if the four receivers go above the Vikings and then they try to reach for, a, you know, like a guy like Josh Downs, I'd be surprised about that with, with the more 12 personnel, the, the Vikings don't, would seem not to need that, that true slot. And, the issue with putting downs on the outside, if you're just going to have the, the two receivers, is then you have the bigger corners that can jam them all the time. You'd rather have them in the slot for that. So I just don't see see really a fit there. Or Marvin Mims pulling one of those guys up. I don't want Jalen Hyatt either, another guy from Tennessee that, that I don't want. The guy that from Tennessee that I do want is Cedric Tillman because he was the, the true boundary number one for them uh, during the, the uh, year plus when he just really started to take off. Before his injury this past season, he dominated uh, Alabama. Is that uh, why he's fallen? Sort of like like you have him toward the end of the second round, but but like his raw athletic score is off the charts. He's six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds. Like, is it the injury? Why is Cedric Tillman not higher? I guess on on mocks. It's all circumstantial. Yeah, it is mostly the injury because the injury not only did it did it hurt him, and then he couldn't come back. It also that opened the door for Jalen Hyatt to walk through. And then Jalen Hyatt had, I, you know, it was like the five games where he went ballistic. The rest of Jalen Hyatt's profile is not impressive at all, you know, outside of the long speed, whatever. Um, but Tillman was the guy where he was getting all of the attention from the defenses. And he's a different kind of a player than Hyatt. Hyatt, uh, um, uh, Josh Heupel can have a lot of fun with a guy like that because he can motion him around. He gets the defense looking one way, you know, with, with the numbers and, and stuff like that. And then we talked about like last episode, he'd get Hyatt in all these one-on-one scenarios whether it was a guy against like a guy like DeMarco Hellams at, at, at Alabama, who was their safety, who was a bit lead footed. He could come up and fill against the run, but he was not good in coverage. And Heupel got Hyatt isolated against him a whole bunch. And then, you know, Hype, or, uh, uh, Hyatt ripped up uh, Akron and UT Martin and like teams like that. Whereas Tillman, he was always drawing the top cornerback on the other team. And sometimes the bracket help as well. And he was still winning downfield. They weren't doing all the different motion stuff, hiding him, you know, the different stuff out of the slot and then getting him on, on Island, stuff like that. The defense was more aware of where Tillman was at all times when he was going off. And he also has the a physical package, you know, like you're sort of mentioning that, that Hyatt doesn't either six, three, two thirteen, and then 95th percentile Razzcore. He reminds me a lot of Michael Pittman coming out of USC a couple of years ago. 
You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. So in, in your mock, um, as you put yourself in the shoes of the Vikings at 23, Thor, who did you, beyond Johnston, who who would you have considered as you saw players fall down the, the board? Like who were your your second and third uh, guys that you perhaps had difficulty passing on but decided Johnston was the best fit? Yeah, it was Zay Flowers would be one if we're sticking with wide receiver. I had him going two picks later. Um, in in this mock, and and I think that this has a real chance of playing out in in the draft. Some people have the wide receivers going higher. The over under for receivers right now in the first round in Las Vegas is four and a half. You see people in their mock drafts; they'll have five receivers in the first round. Some will even have six. But I I think it's going to go the other way. This receiver class is not as good as it's been in recent years. So I, I think they're going to filter down a little bit more. I still think. The, the three, the top three guys, and I'm talking about Johnston, Smith, and Jigba, um, and then and then Zay Flowers. Those guys for me would be obvious choices for the Vikings if they're there. Jordan Addison, I'd be okay with. Um, that one's a little bit lower of the upside, like I said. But you're getting a guy on the outside of of Jefferson that you know is going to be a solid number two. But outside of that, other positions, um, definitely the secondary is something that you have to think about. And then the other one was defensive line. The only problem with the defensive line thing is if you want to get that interior guy, I, I think Brian Brise from Clemson would be a really good fit. He has that sort of rangy frame and the type of game that the Vikings are looking for along their 3-4 three, three, front. It's just I don't think he's going to get down there. Some other mocks have him getting down there. I, I just I'm, – I'm not sure about that. And then, like we've talked about before, I don't think Kalijah can see from Pitt. They're the, you know, six foot one, 280-pound – you know, pint size uh, three technique, essentially, that, that with all the good agility and stuff. I just don't see how he's a fit for what the Vikings do uh, along the line where they want you to occupy more of the offensive line and stuff like that. So, so unless they're going to take Maisie Smith there, I don't know that they go with that position either. The other one that you, that you think really strongly about when you're doing it, it's the secondary. Um, but in, in mine, I had more of the cornerbacks going higher, you know, the, the Devin Witherspoons, the Joey Porter, stuff like that above the Vikings. One, one guy to keep an eye on, though, is Brian Branch from Alabama. Now he's listed as a safety. And so you might be sitting at home like, why do people keep bringing up Brian Branch? They, they re-sign, you know, Harrison and they, you know, Louis Seen's coming back. And then you have Bynum too. Don't think about Brian Branch as a safety. It's actually pretty misleading. He's a nickel defender. That's what he does. So, yeah. I mean, that's where Alabama had him the last couple of years. And you get him near the box. Not only is, is he good in coverage, but he's so reliable as a tackler and he will come up and help against the run. And again, in the nickel, he's closer to the box. But no one who has come out the last three, four years, five years since I've been doing this at safety has been as reliable of a tackler over their entire body of work in college as Brian Branch was. So if you get Brian Branch, it, again, don't think about him as a safety. That wouldn't affect anything about Harrison or or about Louis Seen or or Bynum being one of the or, you know Metellus. It, it doesn't affect their situation. That it plugs the nickel defender spot. Then Murphy would move on to the outside, and then you you still have to pray on the other side that either Booth or Evans, you know, that they come through unless you acquire somebody else. But he's someone that, that would have to be in play too. And then other corners, you know, Cam Smith, 
uh, would be in play, the kid from South Carolina. He's fallen down just a little bit, but still a really good prospect. His tape's really good. And he had a 9.7 Raz at almost six foot one, a little bit on the lighter side at 180. Um, another one that I, I Kelly Ringo is probably going to be down there. He, he's sort of the Adonis of, of this cornerback group, but doesn't have the instincts of some of those other guys. But he, he runs so fast that, at an enormous size for a corner, 6'2", 207. Um, and then the last one I toss out, this would be more of the trade down scenario if the Vikings don't take a guy like Brian Branch and if they're comfortable playing uh, Murphy on the outside. I, I, I saw that the, the Vikings intend, at least right now, the plan is to have Murphy in the nickel in in you know in you know in, in the slot whatever for the their nickel defense and then on the outside for base defense well d- defenses are always in three corners now so it seems like that's the plan for Murphy now mm-hmm. you'd have to be comfortable playing Murphy on the outside to take that true nickel guy but Clark Phillips from Utah if they don't take Brian Branch in the first round and instead they they trade down into the second Clark Phillips is going to drop down a little bit probably into the 40s or so because he's a smaller guy his measurables weren't great but one of the stickiest cornerbacks in this class, talking about Jordan Addison a little bit, bit ago, Clark Phillips just erased them when Utah was playing USC this past past season. Um, so so those would be a couple guys I, I'd also toss out. Mm. Football. Mm. I just inject, inject all of this into my veins. Uh, let's take a quick smoke break here. Uh, <laughs> actually, let's take a break to tell the audience about Livia. If you are looking to oh. change your life, like so many Purple Daily listeners and viewers have, and start that weight loss journey. Livia is the partner for you. Yeah, right now, I I think it's safe to say that Thor is changing our football draft life. Like he is really actively is. Yeah. changing he things. Really and I'm going to tell you right now, if you've looked in the, the mirror of late and said, you know what, I got to lose some weight. It's been a long and God knows it's been a long and difficult winter. But I want to go from looking like the guy on the left to the guy on the right. And, yes, they're both me. But you know what the difference is? Livia Weight Control Centers, I dropped 40 pounds. And here's the best part. You keep the weight off. That's right. This isn't a fad. I keep saying it. It's not a quick fix. I can tell you there have been several uh, folks from the PD uh, family that have sent us all notes saying, we followed the plan. We lost weight, too, because, Judd, if you can lose weight, so can we. And you're exactly right. So become the latest. First eight weeks for free, 855-GO-LIVIA. Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. And again, first eight weeks for free. Check them out. And for all you Ragnars out there, listen up here. Looking at my forecast app, it looks like it's going to be riding season next week. Vroom, vroom. And Dennis Kirk has you covered. All right, make sure whatever you ride, Indian, Harley, Metric Cruiser, Sport Bike, make sure Dennis Kirk is top of mind. Whatever you need at DennisKirk.com. So you can ride more and wait less. Over 180,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Shipping is free for orders over $89, order by 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right. Football. We'll get to our mock draft simulation here shortly. But um, we did a big deep dive, I think it was last week, on Hendon Hooker. And you just wonderfully, Thor, laid out, hey, here's some of the red flags it's it's not that he can't eventually learn to do some things but the things that he was doing in college uh need to be drastically upgraded for instance i think you said that in the like 150 times he was moved off of his spot he only threw like seven passes or something seven completions seven completions yes so he just there's things like that that you're going to have to be better at in the nfl um the red flags on Hendon Hooker, age, injury, system in college, have not stopped a couple of the most prominent mockers from putting him 23rd to the Vikings. Daniel Jeremiah, 
Uh, Todd McShay this morning now has Hendon Hooker 23rd. Bruce Feldman, who's more of a reporter, but he's do, he did his mock based on sort of just information intel. So it, it does sound like the Vikings are doing a lot of due diligence on Hendon Hooker. My question for you is, are you saying, so you are anti-drafting Hendon Hooker with a 23rd pick. You do have him going 50th to the Buccaneers. So you've got him kind of like in that second round range. Are you, do you think he's going to be a bust? Or are you just saying that there's way too much risk and volatility to draft him 23rd? I'm saying it's a total unknown whether he can go through progressions because <clears throat> we've just never seen it before. So if you want to if you want to just make a leap of faith, I mean, go ahead. But to me, you just can't make a, a round one pick on on a just a total unknown like that. You know, like we were talking about last week, all a Tennessee system, it's all reading the numbers pre-snap. That's where your reads come. It doesn't come after the snap. Hendon Hooker always knows who he's going to throw to before the snap. That that's just the way that it goes. And I, like we also talked about, hypo so good about getting receivers into space and getting them into the correct matchup. You know whether that's through motion or, or different stuff like that, subterfuge. I'm, I'm, I'll toss out another one. Um, but like because of those things, we just we've never seen Hendon Hooker have to even go to the other side of the field. You know, like we talked about the Yeti moment uh, last week, where it wasn't until late in the second half of, of one of the All 22 games I was watching where he, he got the shoulders to the other side of the field after squaring it to the one side. The, the defense should, you know, in NFL defenses, they're, you know, you can't do this against NFL defenses where you get the ball and then you just square to one side. You, you can't tip off that you're, you're just going to go to that side. And, you know, like the thing we were talking about, the dual threat utility, is it really dual threat utility where you're not going to be, you can't, throw, you, like you literally just can't complete uh, passes once you're moved off of that spot. So all those different things, like if the Vikings want to take a leap of faith on that and they're like, well, at least we can run a system so we can manufacture stuff for him. He has the tools, maybe. But for me, you just you can't do that before the second round. Uh, you, you just you can't do it with a prospect like that. And we haven't even mentioned that the age and the, and the injury coming off the injury thing and whatnot. So for me, that's not just not a fit in the first round. It'd be egregious. So what's your, your response to, I think I saw this a couple times after we talked to you, Thora, last week, which is that the Tennessee um, offensive system that's sort of held against Hooker is not fair because of what he accomplished at Virginia Tech. Well, what did he accomplish at Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech basically told Hen and Hooker, hit the road because you're not going to be starting next year. He he never won, like was winning that job outright, whatever, previously in his career before he got with Josh Heupel. He struggled so badly to, to do the stuff we're talking about, complete the passes, move the offense through the air. You always saw the exciting element of, of the dual threat stuff, the, the running stuff, whatever. But that was a kid I was monitoring really close because when Hendon Hooker came out of high school, he was one of those guys that they sort of talked about. Not not the exact same as like Lamar Jackson, but like the same in terms of like, oh, this is a really, really intriguing tool set. Okay. You know, and, and so let's see, you know, where he goes and what he ends up turning into. And Virginia Tech just could not teach him how to pass whatever. And I think the problem is it's that thing of reading the whole field. Max Dugan has the TCU quarterback. He has he has this problem as well. It's just that in TCU's offense, he, you know, sometimes you would see him go to the other side of the field. So you got to see, and, and there wasn't as many uh, scheme things open, whatnot. So, you know, especially when Gary Patterson was the coach. So you got to see it more where it was like click, 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 click. Whereas with Hennon Hooker, you just rarely had to see him panic because the guy on the side of the field that he was already squared to would be open or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it man. There's just so many things converging here. There's the Vikings want and need for a long time franchise quarterback. There's also things 
like all the things you're saying are 100 percent accurate and it's reason to be skeptical. But if like Kevin O'Connell gets in a room with Hendon Hooker and thinks, boy, this guy just blew me away as a leader and as a, you know, whatever it may be. That's the one area of this that it's so hard if you can't spend time because quarterback, listen, if a if a linebacker, if an outside linebacker or a slot corner isn't the best leader, but he can do his job, okay, like I can draft off physical traits and film. A quarterback has to be the leader of 53 guys. And so if, and I don't know one way or the other, like that's something that we might not know until a Hendon Hooker gets into a locker room somewhere, that if the Vikings are so wowed by, all right, we know there's these red flags, they're not oblivious to them, but he's a great intangible guy, and we believe that we can train him up on some of the other stuff. That would be the recipe for him. I think everyone would feel a little bit better. And Thor, maybe you chime in on this. If they were to like, move back from 23 to 30 or 23 to 32, pick up an extra third round pick or second round pick or something. And then you like, then you, you, you make the draft pick uh, either at the end of the first round with the extra pick that you receive moving back. I think if they stood pat and didn't pick up extra picks and picked Hendon hooker in the first round, that would be tougher to swallow. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it would be easier for a doubter like me if, if that was a scenario where at least you picked up the extra pick. Because we talked about it all this process with the Vikings only having those five picks. They, I, I believe that um, the draft equity rankings uh, it came out a couple of days and someone put them out on Twitter. But the Vikings were fourth least, I think, in the NFL in terms no. of the draft equity that they have in this coming class. You need to augment that somehow. So if that was one way that, that they ended up doing it, at least it would become more uh, palpable. But it wouldn't change my opinion on on the the precariousness of Hendon Hooker's transition into the NFL. I'm not a huge fan of of Will Levis. Levis, uh, people get on me on Twitter about this, but I'm not a big fan about about Will Levis either. But I would rather trade slightly up for him in this scenario where he potentially falls, because now we've been seeing this more and more. Um, the NFL teams talking about the stuff that I've been talking about the last couple months, the, the, the things that concern you about Levis's game where he could potentially fall into the, the teen range. I'd rather if he gets down 15, 16, 17, then you trade up like five spots. Maybe you have to sacrifice a pick next year, but I'm not sacrificing my round one pick next year. It's just, it's, it's too scary. What if Kirk Cousins gets injured at the beginning of next season? Now it's Nick Mullins. And this team that is is rebuilt a lot of the starting lineup, you know, particularly on the defense, whatever. That's a scenario where that first round pick could be real high in a class again that has Caleb Williams and Drake May. So I I wouldn't touch that, but I would rather move slightly up for for a guy like Levis if he falls into your range, than even you know trade back say ten spots for Hooker because I think for me Hooker's a, a third round prospect. So at this point in time, too, we are now into the month of April. The draft is the 27th, and this is where things get really hanky because the smoke screens are just – there's so many of them. How much are you even buying as a guy who sits in the bunker and just grinds through this stuff? How much are you buying that that Levis is falling as much as we're led to believe and that Hooker is climbing? Because it feels like in the Hooker case – we are now where a lot of it feels like a lot of air quotes experts are saying, I'll be surprised if he's not a first round pick to someone. So how, how much of those two, especially because it feels like they are um, ascending or descending on the draft board. How much of that is real and how much of that is just the April smokescreen that we see every year and that turns out to be completely BS? Yeah, for, for me, there there's elements of truth in both. But I think the way that it's been depicted, um, at least from my sense of it, is 
perhaps been a bit exaggerated, like the Mark Twain quote. Um, the the Levis, you know, before he was number four, maybe right. number seven, depending on on the mock that you're looking at. Some people now have him dropping, like I say, into the teens somewhere. I could see that happening um, again, just because when you're on the clock and, and you're about to pull the trigger on a kid who has, you know, playing that position that has the, the type of concerns that we have there. I, I think that's where it just becomes a little bit harder. And then you've seen some of these teams, like for instance, uh, Las Vegas, now they're talking, you know, like there's some reporters that say they're not going to take the quarterback because they, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They could get out, out of Garoppolo's deal after one year, which is why, you know, my supposition had been that either uh, uh, Levis or, uh, Anthony Richardson would be in play for them, you know, that you put them in that scenario where he can sit behind the veteran and, and learn for a year, whatever. But again, there's been respected uh, Vegas beat reporters that have come out and said that the Raiders will not take a, a quarterback at seven. So you, you sort of have to, have to uh, parse some of that different stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it is silly season as far as the information goes. I do think Levis could get to the teens. Can't see him falling any lower than that because that's where I think a team like, you know, the Buccaneers thinks about trading ahead. Uh, a team like the Vikings thinks about trading ahead. Um, and then the hooker thing, people, some people may say that they would be surprised if he falls out of the first round. I would still be shocked if Hennon Hooker goes in the first round. You yeah. just don't see quarterbacks with that profile go that high. You're going to be going to be 26 by the time he's finally healthy to begin his rookie deal, um, you know, because c- c- he's coming off the ACL injury. And then we've never seen him read the whole field in his entire career and didn't beat out the kid, Joe Milton, when he got to Tennessee, even after his poor throwing performance at Virginia Tech. Then he finally gets paired up in this absolutely perfect situation with the best play caller that we have in college football with, with this fleet of wide receivers and everything like that and a really good offensive line. Uh, Darnell Wright's a kid who's going to go in the first round, uh, one of their offensive tackles, and that's when Hendon Hooker played way up. He's a he's a toolsy guy, but I the only reason it coalesced at Tennessee, in my opinion, is because of the play caller that he was working with. Who wants to mock? Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Always. Let's do a mock draft simulation here. Over at PFF.com, um, I can throw this up here. There we go. Dex has it. For the YouTube audience, we'll talk your way through it here for the podcast and audio audience. But we're we're locked into the PFF Mock Draft Simulator. And, boys, I have taken the liberty of trading Dalvin Cook to the running back desperate Buffalo Bills for the 130th overall pick before this draft began. Done. All right. Let's do it. So we've got the 130. I'm going to click play here. Thor, you are the general manager. We are your minions and your scouts. I think we're looking for an opportunity to trade back if we get offers and interest. So we'll just kind of keep that in mind as we start this draft. So we have the 23. We have the 87. We have the 119, the 130, and the 158. It's a five-round mock. We're going to buzz through the first 10 picks here and pause it and recap. Bryce Young, number one to the Panthers. C.J. Stroud, number two, to the Texans. Will Anderson, Jr., and then Will Levis to the Colts. So three quarterbacks in the first four picks. Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon quarterback, to the Seahawks. Jalen Carter falls to the Lions. Anthony Richardson, the fourth quarterback, to the Raiders at seven. And then Tyree Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And then the uh, Northwestern tackle, Peter Skaronsky. So your thoughts, Thor, on the first ten picks here. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't see Smith and Jigba going in the top 10 like that, but I have heard that Chicago's interested in him. Uh, you know, I don't know if that would require a trade down or if they would pop him there. It would also be interesting if Skaronsky ends up being the first off- offensive lineman off the board. He's he's in heavy contention with, with Paris Johnson and then uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia for that. I would be surprised if Skaronsky's the first offensive lineman off the board, but 
he's certainly in play. I mean, that's that's right around the range all three of those guys are going to go. I just rifled off the next 10 picks here. The first wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, goes to the Patriots at 14. Uh, we got we got some cornerbacks coming off here. Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., your guy Brian Branch, and then Deontay Banks. So a big secondary run here in the teens. And that brings us to the 21st overall pick. So we are, uh, we're three away from making our pick here. And there's still a lot of dudes out there. Zay Flowers is on the board. Um, obviously, Hendon Hooker is on the board. So <laughs> We're not taking I, Hendon Hooker in this. I'll give you. I'll give the folks at home a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so we could let's let's rifle off these next two picks and see if a team offers anything for us to move back. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Okay, so the Chargers take don't Nolan take Zay, Smith. Take oh, nice. Okay. Holy uh, cow! We have Addison instead of Zay. This is incredible. So Addison goes. So Zay. So here's the guys on the on the board. Kalaja Kansi. Uh, who you're you're kind of out on for the Vikings, but Zay Flowers on the board, Bijan Robinson on the board, Michael Mayer, the tight end, Will McDonald, some interesting names, and we have eight teams oh. interested in trading with us here. Wow. Oh yeah, let's take a look at the list here. Can you see this on the screen? Uh, probably doesn't. The drop down doesn't show. So uh, the teams that are interested are this. This is in order of their next pick. Only one team is interested in trading within the first. No, I take that back. These are all second round. These are all second round because the Steelers have the 32nd pick, which is the first pick in the second round. So we would have to trade out of the first round. Yep. And the options are Steelers at 32, Rams at 36, Seahawks at 37, Raiders at 38, Titans at 41, and then then it gets way back, like Commanders at 47, Lions at 48, Chargers at 54. I think we should. I think we should. I think we should consider this, guys, for the sake of the the content here. Yeah, and the, the Steelers would be a good team to trade down with. They obviously got the first pick in the second round from the Bears in that Chase Claypool trade, and it's basically. I mean, it's it, in any other draft, it would be the last pick of the first round because the Dolphins forfeited theirs to the thirty second overall. Let's see what they would give us to move up nine spots. So right now, I've, I've just got the swap here. Let's just test them out here. So yeah. if they if they kick, so we're going to swap picks, and then they kick in the forty nine. It says no. Uh, the 80 is a yes. What if we did the 49, but we kicked in like the kick in something? Yeah, let's kick the 158. In uh, uh, kick in the 130. No. <laughs> 119? Really. The 119's a no. 87? The 87 might. Would you do that? Would you swap the 23 and the 32 to move up 40 spots from 87 to 49? Let's see if we can get them to toss in one of their late rounders and finish that off. So they kick in the. Uh, <laughs> what if they kick in the one twenty? Yeah, let's see. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I, I think now, now we're getting warm. I, I think this is this is something. And then we like kick here. in the two eleven. It's a fifty fifty. Let's okay, see what yeah, happens. Let's do it. <laughs> and it kind of goes. Yeah, 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 Pittsburgh Steelers doing let's business go. with Mikey T. <laughs> Love it. Now we got two picks in the top fifty. We're cooking with gas. Wow, dude. All right, let's uh, let's resume the draft here. So the, who'd the Steelers want? They wanted the tight end. Oh, Michael two tight Mayer. ends off the board. That's fine. Well, Zay, Interesting. No, it's, it's, uh, we oh, yeah. Zay Flowers is gone. Incredible. We could move back up here, but now we're on the clock. So Josh Downs also went. So, okay, so we have the 32 and the 49, and then a big gap until the 119. So mm-hmm. Thor, uh, oh, there's, there's teams. Look at this. You want to trade back? We're already in the second round. Yeah, let's see what else There's seven teams that want to trade with us here. So we can move back five with the Seahawks. Could move back nine with the Titans. I don't know if we want to move back much further than that. What's maybe, the draft maybe with board the Seahawks. like right now? 
like what what's out there that's potentially going to be gone oh, yeah, as well. So we don't know. need the offensive tackle. We don't need the edge rusher now at the way it's going. Um, man, a lot of edge rushers on the board. Emmanuel Forbes would be would be interesting, but again, he'd give Viking fans the tremors of uh, Cam Dantzler. Uh, Adebowale would be really fun. Um, he and he could play potentially, you know, one of those down lineman spots. Uh, really interesting kid. Built really low to the ground. Has super duper long arms, hmm. and he's super duper athletic. Um, I think that that he would be. He he's shorter than your typical three four uh, defensive end. But his, his length is longer. So, I mean, he's got a shot to go in the first round, too. You could think about him as well. So, just for fun, if we swap these picks and the let's see what the Seahawks would kick in. Not the 80th. Would they throw in the 123? They would. So, we could swap five and pick up the 123 here. And then we would have we'd have the 37, the 49, the 119, the 120, the 123, and the 130. Can we get the 151, too? Wow, look at you. You're, yes. Wow. Well, Thor, okay. you rascal, dude. <laughs> let's offer it up and Here see. Wow. Okay, oh, wow. Look at this fleecing. <laughs> it's been accepted. All right. Resume the draft here. Seahawks wanted uh, Darnell Wright, the tackle That's from okay. Tennessee. We so we've got a ton of picks. Let's just stay in line here and make picks. Okay. Yeah, All right. Do it. So here's our first pick, the 37. What are you okay. seeing? The, uh, the, we don't need the tackle. We don't need the edge because obviously the Vikings are, are solid there. We're not going to take the linebacker there. Adeboare would be um, an interesting pick here. You know, they, they have him at, at edge. He'd be a 3-4 uh, defensive end. Judd, Judd do you want to make a case that the Vikings actually might need an edge by the time the season oh, they very well. Yeah, they very well might. I mean, we, we don't know what's going on there. Um, are, are there any good interior defensive linemen left, Thor? Because that's that's a place where I think it's a sneaky need. Yeah, let's 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 see what what we got there. All right, here's go, the these guys yeah, are way these guys are way down the board. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Not good value. We're not yeah, good we, value. yeah, we we don't need that one. Let's start cornerback. Okay, we might have screwed ourselves Look, here. Corner yeah. and wide receiver are the two fans that I want to see. Fans are booing right now. No, we're gonna be fine. They're okay. kicked off. They paid a hundred and fifty bucks to get into U.S. Bank Stadium to watch this. Okay, I wouldn't want wouldn't want those top three. Ricks we could we could focus on later on, but um we, we don't want him right now. Right. Okay, wide receivers. Here's wide, wide receivers. Sorry, let me let me get you the wide receiver list here. Nathaniel Dell. You gotta take somebody. No, I I know who we're gonna take if we don't find someone better. Just, just go down for a second with the receivers. We're gonna take Adabuara if we can't find you in here. Okay. okay. Oh man. I love the way Thor's Thor's taking control here. This is great. <laughs> Uh, some of the fans would want Jalen Hyatt, but I, I just I don't want Jalen Hyatt. Let's take Adebowale. Adebowale's wow. got a decent shot to go in round one. He'd fill a need. He's an athletic freak. A very unique player. Let's take Adebowale. All right. Adebowale is a Minnesota Viking. This also might make it more likely you trade Daniil Hunter for like a 2024 second-round pick or something. I can't so, wait to see the grade on this trade. We'll turbo this here. All right. All right, look at this dude. Tanner I mean quarterback is interesting here, Thor. You got Tan let's let's just for fun see where what PFF has for the quarterbacks. They got both uh Tanner McKee and Hendon Hooker sitting in here, and we have the forty nine, and then we won't have another pick until one nineteen. So these guys oh. are both probably coming off the board if you don't take them now. Just the just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> so you don't take Hooker there? I mean, that's the sweet spot. I mean oh, I I wouldn't, but if you, if you guys no, want hoagies, you're the GM. No, 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 no. We're trying no, to. We're no. sitting in the room eating hoagies, just trying to see what the heck's going on. Okay, let's see. Let's see linebacker and cornerback. We got. We got to see those ones. All right, we'll get you. Let me get you the linebackers. 
And I'm going to add cornerback oh, to this here. Would be interesting here. Okay. Here's uh, both linebackers and corners in, in a list here for you. Okay, just go down a little bit. We'll see who else. Simpson would be. Oh, Julius Brents would be interesting too. A really long outside. Clark Phillips would be would be good here too. Uh, I I would probably be down to those three guys in that group right there. Brents, uh, Simpson, or Clark Phillips, depending you're, on. You're what out on uh, on Diane Henley. I like Diane Henley enough, but he would for me he'd be more like uh, early third round. Okay. So, Simpson's uh, an athletic freak. So Brent um, Simpson or Phillips? So you got two cornerbacks and a linebacker here. It's your call, man. Brent is the true outside corner, eighty-two plus inch wingspan was awesome at the Senior Bowl. Clark Phillips, he is the true nickel guy. So it just depends on the way I suppose that you see Murphy as well when you're thinking about a three-dimensional mm-hmm. chest that way. But Brent's, I mean, like again, you you want an enormous outside uh, press corner. Um, for the Brian Flores system, Flores might like uh, Julius Brents because he gets up on that line and just starts muscling people around. Does it matter that we already took a Northwestern defender? In terms of... Or no, I'm sorry, this is K-State, right? Yeah. My bad, my yeah. bad. Yeah. I, got their, I got their purple. logos mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shows but how much yeah, I know. I, I think I'd be between Phillips and Brents. Like I said, F- Phillips is going to be your nickel guy. Brents would be the outside. But, yeah, right. let's do Brents. We're going Brents with the uh, 49th. And now we have a run here. We have four picks within 12 slots. Oh, here we go. Okay. We've That's gone defense with our first two here. Ooh, now we get some running backs on the board. Your guy Dwayne McBride sitting here. And we already traded Dalvin, so. Oh, that's right. Okay, we do need a running back at some point. Let's go down a little bit more. Unless you really like Ty Chandler and, you know, a couple years of Alex Madison. No, uh uh-uh. Some wide receivers. Roshan Johnson would be interesting here. Uh, I think he goes a little bit above this in the real draft because we're, yeah, we're in round four now. I think he's going to go higher than that. Kuntz, I, I used to like to take him, but they just gave so much money to Oliver that I don't know. That, yeah. that one would probably have to save till later. Um, Oh, my boy, Jared Clark's still there. Um, But we, we did take the the interior defensive lineman before, so probably don't need him. Yeah, m- maybe we take uh, Roshan Johnson here. This would be pretty good value for Roshan Johnson. In, in this reality where you already traded Delvin Cook, it would make a lot of sense. All right, now we're right back on the clock with the 120 here. So it's the, the board is the same. Edge? Uh, here we go, Edge. We'll go Edge, but we we still have Adebowari for there. Can you check the linebackers? I, yes, I would like I to am. get a different linebacker for because we need to get rid of Hicks, um, presumably after next year. But th- yeah. if we get a decent one, he could push him too. Um, Sewell is is like the old school thumper guy, um, not as athletic. I even paced the dude that just runs around and is super duper athletic. Um, go, go down just a little bit more and see who else is down there. Intro. No, we don't want those guys. Okay, yeah, you, you can go. You can go back up. I would either go Evan Pace or Sewell here, depending on the the flavor that you wanted to put next to. Us I want new school. Term, Pace is is very very. Yeah, well, Judd a, wants fast athletic. I want speed. I'm tired. I'm tired of big linebackers with neck boards. All right, so we've got. All right, and now we're we're back on the clock here. Love so it. just to recap, we've gone linebacker, halfback. Uh, and then earlier we went edge and we went corner. So we've gone three defensive players and a running back so far. We have not drafted a wide receiver yet. Yeah, let's let's check the wide receivers. Okay, Bryce Borg Wheaton is an athletic freak. So is uh, Yoshi Voss, the, the kid from Princeton. Those guys, uh, you know, getting down into, into this range, they become really interesting dart throws just in terms of that. Go down just a little bit and see what else we got here at the receiver one. Wicks is a good uh, route runner, but he's not athletic at all. He's like runs like a four six two. Um, yeah, I th- I think uh, 
Yeah, let's go. Um, man, it, th- so for me, this one would be uh, uh, Yoshi Voss, the, the kid from Princeton. Wow. But Bryce Ford Wheaton is another athletic freak. But those would be the two guys that just jump out here just because of measurables. Yeah, dude, you're Princeton you're, kid. You got to take the Princeton kid. Crazy. The Princeton kid. All right, yeah, Andre Ishevis. Here we go. Crazy man. All right, we got we got three more picks here in our five round mock draft. We're back on the clock with the one thirty right now. Okay, let's go down a bit. Let's see. We're kind of in just best player available here, right? I mean, it's yeah. It, is there any reason to take a quarterback this far out? Oh, you know what? We got to take my boy Jerry Clark here. I think. Okay, he, there we go. He, yeah, he's the true nose tackle. Um, that that's that would be really good value there. At right, Jared Clark, we got two more picks: the one fifty-one and the one fifty-eight. I'll scroll okay. for you here, Thor. What position have we not hit yet that we need? We gone. We got edge defensive line with Adabari. We went cornerback with Brents. We went running back with Roshan. Linebacker. We got, we got the linebacker with Pace. The wide receiver with Yoshi Boss, and now, now the nose tackle. Um, we could use a. Uh, Probably offense, maybe maybe backup offensive lineman here um, would be one potential thing to look at. How about interior, like interior offensive line here? You like any of these guys? Um, Zavala's kind of interesting. Uh, Jackson Kirkland, he's really fallen off. He he was he's like a really big kid that played tackle at Washington, but I, I don't know if I trust him. Zavala would be interesting. Can you check the tackles too and just see you if there's struck? any position converts there that that fell down a little bit? I got both of them up here for you. Interior offensive and offensive tackle. Okay. How's Juice Scruggs from Penn State, the center? Juice Juice Scruggs is okay. He's just limited to be in the center. Um, and with Bradbury coming back, and the commitment to Bradbury was multiple years, right? So I, yeah. I'd just be concerned that you're with that one. He's sort of pigeonholed there. Um, I think, I, yeah, and I don't love Ekior either. Some of his, his advanced stats aren't very good. I think we're going to go um, uh, with Zavala here. There we go. And now we're back with the 158. I'm just curious, which quarterbacks are on the board here? If we said, no, they got to draft a quarterback. Aiden Aiden O'Connell, Jake Hayner, Stetson Bennett, um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Max Max Dugan. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, Yeah, he is. The the three that I would be interested in here, it's O'Connell, Hayner, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Probably... um, for me, it would be between O'Connell and Hayner. I like them just a little bit more than I like a, a guy like DTR. I have them very, very close. Looks like they're pretty close on the PFF thing, too. So you could go with either one on, on that one. Uh, let's go quarterback you. Let's go quarterback you. Drew Brees, Kyle Orton. That, that might be it. Go Boilers. Aiden O'Connell, come on down. Yeah. And, you, and there you, you go, him, dudes. You get, you get him with Kevin O'Connell. So you have the O'Connell connection. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. AOC, AOC. What's the draft grade? All right, they're giving us a B. It's a B. They don't don't love some of the late-round stuff. They're giving us an A on Ivan Pace Jr. and a good solid uh, a couple B-minuses on the uh, Northwestern and Kansas State defensive players. So I think we get better than PFF says we did, but that's okay. No, that's I I trust uh, TFF, which is Thor football focus, more (laughs) than I trust anybody else, so... All right, dudes. There's your reckless draft speculation here on this Tuesday. And Great fans stuff, just got Thor. super pissed. Why'd you trade your first <laughs> round pick, and then you traded down the second round, idiot? Yeah, we. It's possible we may have traded our way out of out of value there, but uh, awesome, man. You can find Thor's work, including his full two round mock draft, at fantasypros.com. You can find him at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, and on Twitter at Thor Ku. 
And uh, looking forward to doing it again next week, sir. Great stuff. Oh, always good to be with you, boys. We'll see you next week. See you. All right, dudes. That's a wrap on Purple Daily. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. We'll see you tomorrow.